This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. It's time for the opening, the, the opening drive. Dan, uh, what we saw from the starting offense, I think, to me, was a surprise because there was efficiency, there was a touch of explosiveness that you saw a glimpse of, and there was this overall the kind of uh, consistency that I think we all have been waiting to see for a very long time. Well, David, for me, and I tweeted some of this out in a little tweet storm on Monday when I got a chance to watch that first half back in detail, there was such a simplicity to it that was refreshing, right? You didn't need all these complex concepts and all these different personnel groupings and all these different intricacies thing to, to, to get an offense to move a little bit. And so I think there is something here that's happening that's significant in the sense that the offense is playing freely, that they're playing without thinking, that they're playing instinctively. And when you're able to, to generate simplicity like they did on Saturday night that creates comfort for the quarterback that then creates confidence that then results in production. Now, all of a sudden you've got that fuel to push things forward. And there were a lot of plays in there that you watch them and you say, this is nothing that is, you know, some crazy whiteboard imaginative design that created this. It's a check down to a fullback for five yards that moves the chains. And all of a sudden you got a new set of downs and you continually hit these, these simple plays that move the chains and then took your shots when the, the shots were there to be taken and you hit two 20 plus yard touchdown passes from Justin Fields to his tight ends. So there's a lot within there to build on, even though it is still something, uh, you know, very on the, on the early pages of their playbook, the simplicity was really notable to me. Well, I think that's what we talked about last week. Is that when you give Justin Fields less, you're going to get more. And the one thing I've really liked about this entire regime, but specifically the offensive approach with Luke Getze, and I think through Justin Fields is that, you know, there, there's not the attempt – and again, the comparisons are going to be inevitable and it's not intentional, but I think there's not the feeling this year that when you see the Bears offensively, that they're trying to impress anybody. Right, right. They're not trying to make a first impression. They're trying to make a first down. Right. And that's the only way you can really operate with a young quarterback until you get to that next level. But you're not going to get to that next level if you're trying to give him too much too soon. And so what we saw to me on Saturday watching you know, on my in my living room was a, it was a matter of a young quarterback who I've always believed when you watch him, whether it's at Ohio State or as a rookie last year, that he there's greatness within him. Athletically, he's gifted in a way that not everybody is. Yeah, and that that's the kind of thing you'll see come to the fore if you don't give him too much to complicate his brain and also just let him react. So, and that doesn't mean like dumb it down. The Bears didn't dumb it down. It's just that okay. We're going to roll out here. His footwork is so important to his accuracy. Yes. And so all those things. And so I think what we saw the Bears do on Saturday night was remind us they're going to be a fundamental football team this year if everything goes by design. Because you know what? Refreshingly, that is the design. 
Yeah, there's no question about it. And when you have a quarterback that uh, has this competitive drive like Justin has, you have to tap into that, right? And then you have to tap into it in ways that build a connection. And I think that we've talked about this before, that there's an obvious uh, bond right now between Justin and Luke. And that's something that can only grow as, as they, they put together more nights like Saturday night. Now, hopefully you get that on a consistent basis when the opponents are more difficult, when the regular season stage is out there for you and the stakes are, are much higher. But at the very least, you even you know going back and, and watching it every single drive even the two that ended in punts I had highlighter around one play on each series because it, it represented something and even the, the the first pass that Justin had which was a protection breakdown up front and a throwaway into the bench to me was significant because it was a young quarterback making sure that a bad play didn't get worse right and we saw that last year where there would be a, a sack for a loss of eight or a, a, a strip that that turned the ball over and it was just a, an understanding of uh-oh the, the shot clock is is ticking down faster than I wanted to. This thing's got to go into the bench and we're in trouble. And those are small steps of growth that, that you can put your arms around when they are followed by three touchdown drives, right? And then you can say, okay, this is this is how we live to see another day. These are the results when we do and we keep the game on our terms. And and again, a 21-point first-half lead, whether it's August or December, is is something that, that you really want to have if you, you're a first-unit offense. Now, we saw offensively beyond Justin Fields, who we'll get into in more depth in our next segment, but Dante Pettis, I think, yeah. took a step. Ryan Griffin took a step. Maybe he didn't need to. He just was no more <laughs> noticeable. Cole Komet had some nice reward for his good training camp that he's, I think, maybe taking a step. Tevin Jenkins, he had maybe one bad moment, but he had a couple good ones. So I think that overall, he showed them a lot. The one thing we got to get to right away, Dan, is that the trade rumors persist with Ian Rappaport now joining Adam Schefter in saying that, you know, Tevin Jenkins is being shopped. I still don't know why you would want to develop a, a lineman, change his position, and then deal him. But I think that the offensive line overall took a step. So on Saturday, beyond Justin Fields, we was progress. So here's where I'm curious with this Tevin Jenkins conversation, because it seems to just linger. You always have to ask the question, as you know, in this business on where is that information coming from, right? Is this coming from uh, a player or an agent that wants out? Right. And are, and are, are trying to create demand. Is it coming from a front office that's trying to create demand? Is there genuine interest? The third option on that checklist for me is hard for me to believe who is at this stage of the game giving up any sort of draft capital to take a guy who didn't play at all in his rookie season, made a position switch 12 days ago. Right now, 14 days ago now, uh, and and has had two games uh, of video at the position he's currently playing. I just I just don't know where the buyers are in this market, given this stage and, and, and who's so desperate to add that as the final piece of their championship puzzle. And so then it leads you to ask the other questions. Is this a player that just doesn't want to be here anymore? If that's the case, now we've got another issue on our hands. That's a good point. And that's a good way to break it down. Look, and I, I tried to figure out where this might be coming from as well. The only team I could think of that would be that desperate, frankly, would be the Dallas Cowboys. And sure. you think that they lose a left tackle and they might be looking at somebody like Jenkins and maybe they scouted him well in coming out of the draft and high on their board. But those are a lot of maybes and ifs. Yeah. And I just don't know if they're that desperate because they might go, like they were talking about Andrew Whitworth last week and, isn't this the time of year when Jason Peters ends his annual fishing <laughs> trip? You know, so he might be available. Yeah. I, I just think that the Cowboys would make sense, but there's no specific team that's being mentioned. It's just vaguely shopped for a trade. And I don't, I do wonder about the origins because if it is the front office, I don't understand it because right now, to me, he's closer to helping you as a starting guard than he would be in getting a draft pick. 
And you've you've spent a lot of time the last few weeks working him uh, and using practice reps with him at the first team uh, offensive line. Another question with this, David, is is Lucas Patrick's status is is integral to this conversation because if Lucas Patrick comes back uh, in week one or week two, now you've got Sam Mustafer as your current starting center who either has to shift over to a guard position or into a backup role. And it's going to be really interesting to see where the coaching staff feels and their comfort level on whether they think that, that Mustafer can help them at guard, whether he'd be better in a backup role. And so there are a lot of moving parts of this that are going to continue to move as as some of these other players come back from injury, Lucas Patrick specifically here. And obviously the, the, the roster of here, right? We're going to get our initial 53-man roster at three o'clock on on Tuesday afternoon, and then, as you know, that's going to be fluid for for ten days, right? Until until they get to the, the weekend of the opener and and put together a, a game day roster. Last thing uh, before we move on to the next segment and look at Justin Fields more specifically, defensively, I, I understand Robert Quinn didn't play. I know why Jalen Johnson, Eddie Jackson sat it out. Roquan Smith, I have to be honest, I was looking forward to maybe a series or two just for his vantage point in that 4-3 scheme. I don't think he needs it to be effective <laughs> week one. But is there any reason to believe that we should be concerned with Roquan Smith at the last moment surprising people by not playing? <laughs> no, I talked to – I mean, I talked it, right? It's, it's a fair question, and and I laugh because Matt Eberflus uh, defined it as tightness, and then we pressed him later in the post-game news conference and said, uh, exactly where was the tightness? And he said, ah, it was just – tightness right and so so we know what that means right you can read between the lines and understand that this was a business decision and it was a, a quite frankly a practical and smart business decision by the player when you don't have your long-term security uh, established and and you don't have the the contract that you wanted you have one choice right and it's to protect yourself and protect your future assets which is your body and your your ability to play and there is zero point in putting that on the line in a saturday night in cleveland and so i think roquan made the right call there the bigger question for me is does this signify sort of the disconnect between Roquan and the front office slash coaching staff in a way that's going to linger all year because right like tightness may pop up in November if your team is four and eight right and all of a sudden you're you're you're, you're starting weak side linebacker says ah feeling a little tight this week not sure I really want to want to play this one and now you're going to have to deal with this because the 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 dynamics of the situation are such that that Roquan has to look out for himself at the same time that he's looking out for the team and that can be complicated all year. It's the obvious conclusion to jump to that nobody really wants to make. But I think that uh, until he starts to stack some games and get back to being the player that he says he is and we have seen him to be, then it's a fair question right now. And it's not a big deal because it was only a preseason game. So a little funny footnote, we were sorting through our postgame uh, interviews in the press box in Cleveland late Saturday night. And Brad Biggs was trying to, to figure out what was going on with Roquan, what was going on with Jalen Johnson. And, and both of them were scratched from the game with tightness. And he said, do you think that, that Jalen caught the tightness from Roquan? And I said, well, no, because Matt laid out the timeline as Roquan's tightness began in the pregame on Saturday. Jalen's apparently happened during the red zone practice on, on Thursday. So Roquan would have had to catch the tightness from Jalen. So if tightness is contagious around here, it may have spread yes. the Bears defense last week. General soreness can be an influential <laughs> commander. Just remember that. That's right. In any, in any locker room.